Hello everybody, my name is Tim and welcome back to Big Out on the Inside, the new Who, Doctor Who, Watch Along podcast. Now, you can probably tell this isn't going to be a normal episode to start with. Um, you're still going to get your watch along, we're doing Doomsday, it is the last episode of Series 2. We're going to be not, uh, we're going to be back next week with um, our ranking of Series 2, we've already done that with Series 1, so you can go and check that out. Now, the reason there is no news this week is because of recent events that have happened during this week ending the 14th of um, March 2021 I just felt that to there's two ways I suppose you could look at this you could look at this either as you want to be distracted from the grimness of real world by Doctor Who which is totally understandable but I also feel that it really needs to be embraced and we need to start looking at how to treat how to treat women um, <clears throat> better in public and how um you know, it's a look. It's tricky, and this isn't really the platform to talk about this, I guess. But I just felt uncomfortable talking about Mark Gatiss when there is proper serious news going on this week. Um, we will be back next week. The watch along is about to come on next, and I just hope that you all enjoy the watch along. So thank you for understanding. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the rest of the show. Um. Doomsday, we're talking about Doomsday. It's the end of Series 2. Um, for some reason, I don't know about you, but it feels like Series 2 went by a lot quicker than Series 1. Yeah, I know what you mean. The pacing was much, much faster. Maybe it's because there were... Oh, I was going to say because there were three two-parters, but there were three two-parters in Series 1, weren't there? There was... Um, yes, I'm going to try and remember them. There was the Empty Child... There was the sec. There was a final, and what was the other one? Aliens of London and World War Three. Oh uh, yeah, so yeah, three two yeah. parts. Yeah. The reason that I can think for um, series two going by faster was that it was kind of divvied up a bit more. You kind of had the first few episodes with Doctor and Rose, then some with Mickey, then some without Mickey, then Love and Monsters broke up again, and then there was the end. So maybe because of it being much more kind of segmented like that rather than being one big overarching thing meant it felt like it went a bit faster yeah perhaps perhaps um so the episode starts with a pre-title sequence like we saw last week with rose standing on a beach talking about that this is the fact that she's gonna die mm-hmm. she, she's really definitely gonna die for realsies this time for real she's gonna die well we'll get into that because i do want to talk about the fact that does she die doesn't she die sort of thing um but the actual start of the episode after the uh after the opening titles is rose standing up to the daleks that have come out of the genesis arc Mm. and compared to when she first saw them she is i don't know we sort of saw this throughout series two as well she's becoming more and more like the doctor yeah that scene in particular where she was kind of Acting very confidently about them, uh, kind of saying, oh, I'm a human, but I know what Daleks are. How could that be? That was a very kind of doctory way of uh, handling the situation. Yeah, it was, it was good. I did like it. I think it's also maybe a really good indication that her time with the Doctor is coming to an end. Because if we skip forward two seasons to the end of Series 4, when Donna becomes... That literally becomes <laughs> the Doctor. That's when he knows it's time to get rid of her as well, because no human can possibly, probably understand and um, equalize what the Doctor actually thinks and experiences. It just doesn't work on a human level. Yeah, and it's kind of, in a way, it's kind of even though Rose didn't want to leave the Doctor, the fact that she's become so much like the Doctor kind of suggests almost that she's outgrown him and doesn't need him in the way she thinks she does because you kind of see it a similar kind of growth with martha in the next series that she kind of becomes much more independent and then by the end she's like don't need this anymore oh yeah definitely yeah um i like the fact that the dalek's reaction to rose is just shut up (laughs) just answer our questions but as soon as she mentions the doctor's name like they step back I that's that fun. Was a great I, inclusion. I really like that because obviously it's it's really admirable how they managed to get so much kind of character out of these, you know, big dustbins on wheels, to put it bluntly. Yeah. Um, but kind of the little touches, such as them just moving back a little bit, 
it adds so much. You can totally read yeah, them. I, I noticed as well that whilst they're talking, their bodies are moving, which I don't think is something that they do anymore. Do they not? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Because thinking about th- if I, the only scene I can think of immediately in say uh, Revolution of the Daleks was it called Revolution or Revelation? The new know. one. <laughs> but like the most recent one, the Christmas of twenty twenty, the New Year's of twenty twenty one special. There was that confrontation between the two uh, sets of Daleks on the bridge, and yeah, they yeah. pretty much just stood there. Although maybe that's comparable to the way that the Cybermen and the Daleks interacted in this scene, in this episode. Uh, yeah, the bitch fight of Canary Wharf. <laughs> Have you seen that video as well? <laughs> uh, we could talk about that. I was surprised that these two foes didn't know who each other were at first. It took some sort of analysing of each other to work out who they were. I mean, I guess I mean, I've not watched Classic Who but it's surprising that throughout all of Classic Who they never had a crossover story that Russell was the first to do that. Yeah, I know in Confidential they were like that's something that they were surprised ever being done. And I think up to that point a lot of people probably did think it had been done. Mm. It's kind of a thing where you just assume it had been done. The two of the most iconic villains in the series, of course they've met. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like a Batman versus Superman thing. You think, well, of course they've met at some point. And, you know, outside the Snyder films they did in comic books and TV animation. But that I don't believe that ever really happened with the Daleks. Why was that, was it? Because it was just it? Doctor Who. There was the novelizations and the audio dramas, of course, but it was sure- mainly just the show. Was there, like, something to do with, like, a licensing thing? Maybe, like, back in the day, did the Terry Nation or his estate kind of say, if there's a Dalek story, it's just a Dalek story? I don't know. I I generally have no idea. I just think maybe just just didn't do it. I think that's it. I just don't think they ever got around to doing it. I don't mm. think there's a, a political issue around it. Yeah, perhaps not. Um, There's a really good scene in this, and I noticed it a lot throughout these first two seasons is that Russell does a really good job of showing how the world outside of the Doctor is affected. Absolutely. So my example for that would be when the Cybermen are taking over the streets, there's a shot of like a family sat around a telly all holding onto each other, and mm. there's like Cybermen in the living room, there's Cybermen coming down the stairs in the streets. It really sort of humanises it, and I think that's something that perhaps has been lacking since he left, is that there is life and world outside of outside of um, the Doctor, but it's never really shown that much as it is in Russell's era. Yeah, I mean, this is something which I guess it's about side of Doctor Who and kind of talk about kind of uh, popular media as a whole. Um, but I feel very often, like, say, if you look at something like a Marvel movie, um, when there's some kind of, like, huge foe with, like, planet or universe-threatening stakes... Um, very often, for me, I feel like you don't get enough of a sense of how just kind of your regular person on the street feels about it because it's always so focused on these larger-than-life heroes and villains. But something that, like you said, Russell does really well is when there's like an attack on a global scale, it does kind of pull back and hone in on kind of just regular people and how they're experiencing this. Yeah, um, yeah. I suppose that's maybe why we liked Aliens of London and World War Three so mm. much. It's and why just we like, it re- I know that. Mm. Go on. And and why we why we like Clever Monsters so much because that is a whole story just about your regular average Joe and how he experiences. 100%. Yeah. Um, going back to the actual you know story of the episode, when that guy from Torchwood gets, um, I've got to be careful how I phrase this. When he gets sucked to death by the Daleks, why didn't he just kneel a bit more and get out of the way? Um, I guess maybe he was paralysed with fear. I mean, I, I imagine that, the... that when when rewatching it, you've sort of gone, "Why haven't they just done that?" You start questioning stuff that you wouldn't necessarily have questioned when you first watched it. Yeah, because that that's not something I questioned when I first watched it. I guess kind of no. It's a suspension of disbelief thing. I mean, I, I assume that the Daleks could have very easily redirected their suckers to wherever he moved to. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I've forgotten to say, uh, we're like, what, 
just over two seasons in, and it's been the ongoing thing for two seasons, but this is the episode that I first saw. This is my very first episode. Really? So the first episode yeah. you saw was the one where the companion left? Yeah, this was the first episode of Dotsu I ever, ever saw. Okay, so I'm going to have to ask you when we get... Well, when we get to it, I'll ask you about it. All right, okay. We'll, we'll save that to the end because I would quite like to talk about that because I think it's quite fun to look back on. Mm. Um, we're going back a bit to the bitch fire of Canary Wharf. Um, you would destroy the Cybermen with only four Daleks. I love that line because it's just like... It's almost like the Cybermen's going, what are you talking about? <laughs> mm. Well, it's kind of... These are two, um, you know, cyborg races that have been like, built and kind of brainwashed into believing that they are the greatest species in the whole universe. So for them to kind yeah. of encounter another species that believes, actually, no, we're, we're the greatest, and just how they deal with that is very entertaining. Very entertaining. This episode is entertaining. And, it's you know, last week we had Mickey return. This week, Jake, who... I was, when he arrived, I was quite excited to see him. I thought it was quite a fun inclusion because he's sort of a character that was quite important in those two episodes. You then kind of just forgotten about him. And then when Andrew Hayden Smith returns in this episode, it's kind of cool to see him again, don't you think? Yeah, it's great. It's great to kind of see him back. And it's kind of, there was a real kind of sense of camaraderie and kind of a team in that episode. And for that to kind of come back, it adds a good energy to the whole kind of, mix yeah i would love to see a big finished audio story set on parallel earth with just mickey and jake going around in a big blue van i'm not sure if i mentioned it when we did age of steel rise of the cybermen but i would love to listen to that that'd be great fun i know i don't know how much big finished stuff there is on parallel earth i know there's definitely stories about rose and perhaps jackie um and perhaps what sorry torchwood yeah i think there is i said perhaps jackie Oh, uh, yeah, there's a couple I've listened to one. There's a few short stories they do. Flight Mm. into Hull, which you can listen to. By the time this episode goes out, it'll be out. Me and Harrison did a Big Finish Battles, our third one. And uh, you can listen to that. And I did Flight into Hull. Oh, cool. How do they they represent Hull well in that story? It's a parallel F Hull, so it's much better than the one that we currently live in. (laughs) Yikes. Yikes. You know, we have the deep. We have the deep. Um, we have the bonus arena. You know, the, 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 before yeah. lockdown, there was some good stuff going on at the bonus arena. Yeah, you could go see Paul, what is it called? Jacqueline Abbott and Paul from the House Martins. I mean, the House Martins are great. The House Martins are great. And, um, the House Martins are great. <laughs> and they had um, League of Gentlemen. And um, is he called Jack White from the White Stripes? Possibly, you tell me. Yeah, and they had George Ezra. George Ezra was there. Oh yeah, he was like the first, um, first one. Yeah, like George Ezra, he's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I guess. I'm not that. Uh, I think I've been once to the Bonus Arena in Hull. I've I saw, never. Um, I saw Jurassic Park live. Oh, cool! Like in concert. Yeah. yeah, yeah, in concert, not like dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> I nearly went uh, once. I nearly went to see League of Gentlemen, but I think the it was just a little too pricey for me. Yeah, some of the stuff is. Anyway, we're talking too much about our local culture. Um, quick question, Harry, Daleks or Cybermen? Which is your favourite? I personally prefer the Daleks. I think th- there are some rare instances where I feel like there's more potential for the Cybermen. But generally, I just enjoy the Daleks more. I love the Nick Briggs voice with the Daleks. Um, you know, now I think about it, a lot of this episode is just Nick Briggs talking with himself, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I watched a thing on The Confidential where he was like, oh, I'm happy to be back. And I was like, there wasn't really a choice, was there, Nick? It's not like they're going to re... Well, they could recast, but like, what do you mean you're happy to be back? <laughs> he was I mean, like, it's, a... it's not taking long to get back into the voice of the Daleks. So I'm like, you do it You do it like every week on Big Finish. I, mean, I suppose, but by that point, Nick Briggs had only done the Daleks for one series. For all he knew, they could have 
considered recasting him. I mean, obviously he now was already point, doing it on um, Big Finish. He was already doing Big Finish stuff at this point. Mm, that's true. And of course, did he do the Daleks in Curse of Fatal Death? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he did. I'm not sure. I think so. We'll have a look I at that so. when we eventually get around to doing that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the parallel uh, parallel Earth that they go to. Um, compared to the Pete Tyler that we see in Father's Day, this Pete Tyler is a bit of a bit of a dick, wouldn't you say? He is. Yeah, like the way that he acts about Rose. I mean, I guess he kind of insinuated that's how he felt about Rose. Kind of, he very much kind of you know rejected her in those stories but here the fact he's like saying that stuff like to jackie is yeah, yeah quite shocking i mean i'm guessing that kind of because he swoops in and saves her at the end i'm guessing jackie probably like had a proper word with him and he had a change of heart yeah but then again she didn't really want to go and jackie could have quite easily have been left on earth just not inside mm. the building and she would have been fine well you say that but jackie doesn't didn't have any of the uh, void stuff on her, so she wouldn't have even been in danger of being sucked in. Yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah, so, you know, she might have been um, stuck on Earth on her own without Rose. Actually, yeah, maybe it was a good choice for her to go, actually. <laughs> I mean, if, you know, Pete and Mickey are in parallel Earth. If, if, if Rose was going to the end a little bit, if Rose hadn't have been saved by Pete and just gone into the void, would there... Uh... Would she have been able to have been saved from the Void? Or would she have died instantly? Well, considering that the Void was filled with millions of Cybermen and Daleks, I imagine she wouldn't have lasted very long. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think that. Um, there's a really good line in this where the Doctor is just antagonising Pete, and he says, Pete Tyler, I knew you when you, I knew you um, when you were dead. Mm. That's <laughs> just... That's- that's cold. Imagine like someone from another world like came to you and like in your world you're dead. Yeah, <laughs> it's not not that you weren't even born. You were born and then died. A <laughs> second, Pete didn't just. I just remember that Pete's original plan before the Doctor suggested the Void was that he wanted to just get all the Cybermen in the uh, our Earth or kind of the Earth that the Doctor and Rose were from. And just leave them there to kill everyone there. He didn't care about that Earth. He just cared about getting them no, out he of didn't. his Earth. Yeah. He was a bit of a dick, wasn't he? He was. He was a total dick. <laughs> he's like, I'm just going to pollute this Earth. Because, yeah, there's a point where he's like, this Earth's going to burn to the ground. I'm going to go. <laughs> he's like, and then the whole thing of forcing Jackie to come with him. Uh, yeah, to come with him. And then her response of, you know, I've been without you for so many years now. I don't need you. It's great. Yeah, that was great. Um, we'll talk. We'll get into their reunion in a second. Mm. Um, I love seeing the Doctor and Mickey back together. They have a really good bromance. I feel compared yeah. to the Doctor and Nine. Uh, the, the, now, uh, Mickey and Nine. Sorry. Now that Mickey is just totally over Rose, it's just very cool for him to kind of have this new respect for the Doctor. And obviously, the tenth Doctor has yeah. a lot of respect for Mickey. Yeah. Um, another cool scene in this that I like is when um, the Doctor uses a Sonic to blow the doors open and you see Jake and a Cyberman come in with a massive gun and just start ripping fire on these Daleks. Mm. <laughs> Were they coming in from different entrances? Uh, yeah, they, well, the Doctor blew the doors off, didn't he? And then they came in. Yeah, but like, if the, I'm guessing that the parallel Earth humans and the Cybermen weren't coming in together because they'd have killed each other. Before that would happen. Well, they came in and both started firing on the uh, on the Daleks. I don't know. So are they both just kind of you know waiting outside those doors together? Wouldn't they have been trying to kill each <laughs> well, other? Well, just like you got much on after this. Just kind of <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any plans after destroying Earth? Yeah. What route do you take? Um, the music in this episode. We haven't talked about the music enough, but it's quite hard to describe music. Um, but the effect it has on this episode in general is amazing. Hmm. I mean, it kind of, I feel like the reason we don't talk about it is that it just almost goes without saying that Murray Gold is an excellent TV composer and an especially excellent composer for Doctor Who. But yeah. no, yeah, he always knows when to bring in those right motifs, when to add the right amount of energy, when to be quiet. He, you know, it's kind of pitch perfect. 
You like that film, don't you? No. Have I ever spoken about Pitch Perfect? You are now. I saw the last ten minutes of it on TV once. <laughs> um, Jackie and Pete, their reunion. Um, I found that more emotional than I did what is to come later in the episode. Yeah, I kind of know what you mean. There was a real kind of catharsis to it because I feel like it's something kind of beyond the possibilities of the real world, but it's something that people... I'm sure there are lots of people who kind of fantasized or dreamed about it, kind of the chance to reunite with a long-lost loved one. Like, even after you kind of moved on from them, people you really love, you know, you would probably give anything, you know, cross worlds to see them again. <laughs> oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just great, like, the thing of uh, pretending not to be into each other. And like, they, we, like, if we do this, it's going to be such a mind-bend. We can't possibly do it. But then the fact that they just give in and they're like, yeah. oh, screw this and just run to each other. I think it's great. I love kind of Jackie's bit where she's like, where Pete says he's rich and she's like, I don't care. Uh, how rich? Yeah. <laughs> Very rich. Yeah. There's, a, there's another really good bit in that as well that I missed. And it's um, Jackie, she says, there wasn't anybody else after you. And it just cuts to the Doctor and Mickey mm. putting like this face where they're like, yeah, right. <laughs> I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that. Yeah, you I love the bit. It. It's fantastic. I love the bit where kind of uh, the doctor is trying to explain to Jackie what's going on. She's just like, "All right, leave it. Like this is not the time or the place for your jargon." Yes. Yeah, yeah. And the way he just walks back. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I was skipping on to the episode a bit where we see into the Genesis arc. I like the fact that David Tennant gives our podcast a little shout out. When he says it's bigger on the inside, that was very kind of him. It was oh least, yeah, but, you know it's nice to be. Yeah, I did, I did one of those. I did one of those Leonardo DiCaprio putting at the TV screen moments. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> um, Daleks in the sky. We saw it in whatever the most recent special was. But when they're in formation, flying in packs in the sky, I think it always looks amazing. Do you like the uh, kind of dark flight thing? Because obviously, it's not. It's something that I know is introduced in Classic Who, but it's kind of more of a thing that's really been used in New Who. You there, Tim? I can't hear Harry. Tim? But no doubt Harry can hear me, and he's talking, and I'll forget to edit this out, so I'm going to quickly... This has happened again. This happens every time. Call him back. Well, Um, oh, here he is again. You'll be able to hear all of this from both our sides. Is this Harry Murdoch speaking? This happens every time we do it on Facebook. <laughs> uh, sorry, yeah. Um, Next carry time on with gonna... whatever you were saying. <laughs> you, you really are going to have to edit this one out. Can't nah, just a go for it, it's theme. fine. Well, next time we're going to do it on my uh, desktop, so hope, instead of my phone, hopefully that will prevent this. Okay. But basically what I was saying was that... Um, how do you feel about uh do you feel like it's kind of a good addition because i know there are some people who the dalek flight formation feel that it looks a bit odd because it's not really a design built for flight especially kind of whizzing through the air like that i suppose it's suspension of disbelief i could believe that the daleks fly more than i can believe how peter quill flew at the end of avengers endgame I don't even remember that. Okay, so you know in the big battle where Captain America says Avengers Assemble and they all charge. Oh and yeah. There's, that, there's a there's a side angle of a of the profile of all the heroes flying and all the monsters running towards each other. Yeah. There's a shot of Peter Quill flying and he's laid he's ver- he's laid vertically with project with like rocket boosters coming out the soles of his feet. Oh yeah. Does he have and any I was his like, well, how hands that, as well? How does that make him fly? We're talking about Marvel a lot this episode. What is this? What Podcasters assemble for your Marvel podcast? I'll have a look at some Marvel podcasts so we can laugh at their names later on as well. Tim, um, we're called Bigger on the Inside. It's an awful name. <laughs> uh, there's a really cool bit in this that I think the Tim Doctor does a lot. He just makes things sound very illiterate, like via the void. Via mm. the void. It's a great f- fun thing to say. Yeah. 
the Tenth Doctor really likes the sound of his own voice, doesn't he? He does, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, he's there. I mean, there are a lot of Doctors. I think pretty much every Doctor loves themselves just a little bit too much, or has moments where they love themselves a bit too much. Yeah, when they sort of realise they are the genius. But I feel like that level of confidence is kind of what makes them so appealing. Mm. Um, there's a scene obviously we're now getting towards the, towards the end of the episode the scene where the Doctor sort of tells Rose that she's going and she doesn't really have a say in it and that she's now going to go and live life on this parallel earth and leave everything she knows behind Yeah, and she's like questioning him and he's just going yep yep, I yep okay and he's just like hiding his emotions from it I think it's brilliant mm, no it's great that you kind of it's a similar thing to what the Ninth Doctor did a lot of the time, where he went to just a very chipper, emotion, you know, jovial but disconnected place to kind of make it hurt less for themselves. Yeah, but then he's equally as pissed off when she arrives, when she gets back. You always say that, but he's very quick to just accept it. He doesn't try to send her back oh, or he anything. Is. He's just like, alright. And I don't know whether that's a mixture. <laughs> That's probably a mixture of him realising that no matter what he does, Rose isn't going to stand down and that he probably doesn't yeah. really want her to go himself. Yeah. So let's get into the actual um, famous moment of the episode where Rose is trying to pull the lever back um, to open the void and she loses grip and is sucked away into the parallel earth where she is caught by Pete Tyler. And I must just say... When she is caught by Pete and she gives that last look to the Doctor, that killed me. Mm. I, it was like that last look of... It, it, I don't know what it was. I think it's Billy's acting of just... There was so much emotion in that one look of... She was saying goodbye. There was, help me, I don't want to go. No pun intended. Uh, there was so much going on in that one frame. It's just fantastic. Mm. The bit of me which works really well is just... David Tennant's scream when she just finally lets go. Like, that just... Yeah. Pure, just, desperation screaming out for her. Yeah. I'm surprised... I'm maybe going maybe too much into this. Because this is a season finale and Billy was leaving, she had to disappear. If this was a regular episode of Doctor Who, do you think he would have let go and gone with her? And then once he was in the parallel world, found a way to get back to his real world? Well, the thing is, like, she was... Hmm. That's a question. That's a question. Because obviously, you know, in The Impossible Planet, he's talking about, you know, um, the possibility of him and Rose without a TARDIS just having to live in a house. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe... The fact that he didn't kind of instinctively let go for Rose. I don't know, that's a, that is a question, because, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of kind of fan theories of alternate, what if the Doctor let go as well, and went after Rose? Yeah. Mm. But then again, he wanted her to go anyway, because he put a, uh, yeah. you know, manipulating thing on her and sent her back. But he didn't know when she was being sucked away that she was going, that Pete was going to appear and take her to the parallel world. Before he knew she was going to... Oh, yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah, she was going to be sucked yeah, in right and there. die. So maybe the Doctor kind of yeah. knew that... I mean, I don't know if the Tenth Doctor is big-headed enough to believe this, but maybe he thought kind of like his life was too valuable for him to get sucked into a void where he was killed by Daleks and Cybermen. Yeah, no, I know what you mean, yeah. Um, obviously, then we go to the parallel Earth where they say their final goodbyes... Um, I think that scene is amazing, and I think it's only one of a handful, if not the only, screenshot of Doctor Who that a lot of people know. That mm, shot man. of the of David and Billy just standing on the beach facing each other. There is no I... context to that, that it's Doctor Who. There's no aliens, there's no TARDIS, there's nothing. But a lot of people know what that image is. I'm sure that there was a poll or something somewhere that voted that as one of, if not the best scene in Doctor Who. Is that something you'd feel inclined to agree with? Um, it depends what the options were. I have a lot of... I don't well, know. Of every Maybe. scene yeah, in all of Doctor Who. It is a good scene. It's a very effective scene. Yeah. And it's a scene uh, which well, you saw as your first introduction to Doctor Who. 
Yes. So back when you okay, were... Okay, so we'll talk... We'll, I, just want to, I just want to talk about the fact, before we get into that, the fact that the 10th Doctor is denied the chance to tell Rose that he loves her. When I watched this as a kid after re-watching the series, it was only maybe until about two years ago that I really caught the significance of that. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, that is heartbreaking. It, it's just... Russell does an amazing job of n- never giving you or teasing a happy ending and giving you a variation of, a, of of an ending, but it's maybe not the one that you wanted, but it's a good one for the show. Yeah, it's kind of the start of the 10th Doctor. Really, in a way, this is, for me, the start of the 10th Doctor's journey as a character because if you think about kind of his experiences as a whole, it's quite a depressing journey. It's kind of just... <laughs> He goes through all these companions, meet all these people, and he's always left with this sad reminder at the end that, nope, you're always going to be alone. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about the fact that this is my first episode of Dot 2, 8th of July 2006. Um, I can pretty much remember watching it. I remember playing out in the street with two kids who lived down the street, and their dad came to the door and called them in. I was like, where are you going? And they were like, oh, we're going in to watch Doctor Who. It's the last one and Rose is going to die. And I was like, there are too many questions for me to ask. I just need to know what it is. I ran in. as I was like, can we watch Doctor Who? And my mum was like, no. She was like, you don't want to watch that. You won't like it. <laughs> She's like, why do you want to watch that? And I was like, it's the last one. Someone's going to die. And she was like, why do you want to watch it? You've like not watched any of this. And I just remember sitting down watching it i can't remember seeing the image of the show on telly but i can remember sitting on the sofa with my mum watching it i then have vivid memories the next day flicking through a radio times magazine and seeing the dvd for the episode with the cybermen knowing the knowing who the cybermen were thinking oh, i want this i want to see this story and then basically from there on in just endless love for what is the greatest tv show ever so did you like, despite not having any context or prior attachment to those characters, did you still enjoy uh, Doomsday as a kid? Oh, I must have. I can only imagine I must have, otherwise I don't think we would be sat here today. I think I the must. I don't know what it was. I think it was the Cybermen that I really liked, and obviously David. Um, yeah. As a kid, I was properly obsessed with the Tenth Doctor. Like, my mannerisms were his. I was... Really? Somebody who just wanted to be the tenth doctor. Yeah, like this is slightly corny and maybe too much info, but in like year five or whatever, when I had like my first girlfriend and we had our f- like I had my first in kid, year five. My, like ref- my only ref, my only reference point was uh, Doctor Who. Oh yeah, I think I talked about this when we did Girl in the Fireplace. Yeah, and um, that's all I knew. So I ended up like kissing my first girlfriend. Like the tenth doctor does in that episode, maybe slightly too formal for a, a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old, however old I was. Year five would have been yeah, nine. Doctor like, <laughs> what was that? Sorry, you'd have been nine if it was year five. Yeah, uh, whatever. However, however old I was in two thousand six. Um, oh, two thousand six. Yeah. Wait, yeah, two thousand six? You'd have been like seven. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> what? And I remember like wearing glasses, like being like I remember going to the opticians, and every time I went to the opticians, I was like, looked I really for glasses like to his. say I could have glasses because the tenth doctor wore glasses, and then when they when they said you need glasses, purposely just picked ones that looked like his because I thought he looked so cool in glasses. Like and the then guess what? I went to school the next day, acting like the tenth doctor, and people were telling me how good my glasses looked. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's insane. That's a wow. That's a brilliant story. I did not realise how much you loved the Tenth Doctor. Oh, man, yeah. And then, like, a couple of years ago, three years ago, when I got to meet David at a convention, it was, like, the childhood dream. Like, my like my personal hero is Michael J. Fox. And God knows what state I would be in if I met Michael. But when I when I spoke to David, only briefly, there was a point where I was like, there is nothing I can say to you that isn't going to sound weird. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I was very quickly just like, you're having a good day? What's, you know, when did you find out you were coming? Is, is it nice to see everybody? <laughs> I wasn't going to be like, I wore glasses because you wore glasses. <laughs> to be like honest, that. like, he, 
is probably David Tennant has probably met so many fans who would have freaked out way more than you'd have done if you'd let go. Just let go. I yeah. imagine there are people who like yeah. meet him and cry. You know? Oh yeah. That I'll, I'll be serious with it. There was a possibility where where I was like in the queue and I was like, luckily what they do at these conventions, and I really want to do a video where we talk about it, is they you line up to have your photo, but it's not like you walk around a corner and they're there. You walk into a room and you're queuing within the room where they are, so you're seeing them as you're queuing. So you very quickly climatize to being in their okay. um, environment and yeah. with them being in the room. So you very quickly get used to it. But yeah. I feel like if I was just to walk into a room and he was there, I'd have just freaked out. I wouldn't know what to do. But because you're queuing and you can see how yeah. he's interacting with other people, you sort of get a vibe for it. Yeah, you climatize it. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I've never yeah. been in the same room with, like, a huge celebrity. Like, I've met kind of sort of famous people, like people who have done great work, but who you wouldn't kind of know from just their face or their name. Yeah. Nothing close um, to, like, David Tennant. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I don't know what it was. Do you think... Do you, I, I sometimes wonder if, I, if I'd maybe watched a different episode. Maybe if i tuned in three or four weeks before and caught Fear Hair or something like that, would I have been as captivated? Probably not. But there was something about this of monsters fighting... Robots fighting robots, I think. I've never been a fan of the monsters in Doctor Who as much as I am the robots. Okay. So maybe that's what it was. Mm, it was just kind of the perfect introduction for you. Yeah, just by chance. If I Maybe if I hadn't been playing out that night, um, at like five to seven... <laughs> I would never have seen Doctor Who. Crazy. Have you played like if you were instead playing with that one friend of yours who was really into Star Trek, and you're like, "Mom, can we put <laughs> Star Trek on?" <laughs> yeah, I was scared to be else to say that. I've completely forgotten. Oh yeah, but I I know you. When we spoke about it, you said that um, your parents sort of told you about this show before it had started, or maybe you sort of had an understanding of it beforehand. Is yeah. that right? Well, my first, if we're sharing these stories, my first introduction to Doctor Who was um, the uh, um, New Earth. And yeah. if I remember correctly, I remember knowing about the show before I saw it. Um, it was probably a conversation. Like, I don't know if I'm getting these mixed up. I swear that both Star Wars and Doctor Who were introduced to me when I was like in the back of a car. It was like my parents or my brother explaining it to me. <laughs> I don't think it was at the same time. Oh, one second, Harry. Both... One second. Give me a minute. Someone at my door. One moment. I hope this is edited out. Oh, yes, please. Thank you very much. If you've got any more, there's like half a page in the freezer and then you'll have to have it. Oh, that's Tim? Um, well, I don't know what happened, guys. Uh, all I heard was a knock on Tim's door. Uh, Tim answering. The voice of someone. Um, I'm assuming a housemate of his. Um, asking him something. Tim saying, oh, yes, please. And then the door closing. I guess Tim's gone off to have an adventure without me. Parting is such sweet sorrow. <laughs> Put my headphones back in. Hello, Harry. Off having a little adventure, Tim. Oh, yeah, so it's one of my flatmates' birthdays. Um, so they were just came to bring me some cake. Oh, lovely. Yeah, so that was nice. Did you uh, keep everybody entertained whilst I was gone? I was being a little bit melancholy. I was having a 10th Doctor moment. Oh, was you? Yeah. Um, I don't know what you talked about while I was gone. Did you mention more about your experience of being introduced to Doctor Who? No, because I wanted to tell you, Tim. Oh, that's very kind. So go on. <laughs> yeah, um, so I was in the back of the car, I think. 
And I don't know how it got to the conversation, but I think I must have asked something like, why is it called Doctor Who? And the reason I was given was because no one knows who he is because his face always changes. And so I, I knew about regeneration and all that before I saw the show. It's like, so currently it's a guy called David Tennant or something. And yeah, and then of course, before I'd even watched the show, I remember seeing the adverts on telly for all the different action figures, which were like the 10th Doctor, Rose, Levine, Scissorax, Cassandra. So I kind of had a basic understanding of like, it's a show with aliens and monsters and a guy who travels yeah. through time and changes his face sometimes. Yeah, I don't really know when I started to work out what the show was. I sort of remember what I remember a couple of days afterwards. Oh well, no, if that were, if it came on on the Saturday, maybe it would have been the Tuesday when I saw my dad, and I would have been telling him about this show that I watched, and him telling me about it, and him being like, "Oh, there was people before David Tennant or whatever," and I was I was like, "Well, who's the first? Who's the who was the first? And I can remember my dad, bless him, not knowing fully, but he was like, "Oh, I think like the first one had a." big hat and a scarf and I can remember being described Tom Baker and not knowing what he looked like but going home and drawing a picture of him and yeah, then yeah. seeing what he looks like and my picture being like almost bang on to what, wow. <laughs> what I was told your dad must have given a really good description <laughs> yeah but I think it's great I love thinking back to like when it when something because I won't lie the show is massively stupidly significant to me mm. so thinking back to when it just started I love that that's great part of me kind of always wishes when we get a new doctor or a new series that I could go back to kind of when I didn't know about the history of this show and kind of the lineage of doctors and kind of just see it from outsider's point of view kind of what does this yeah. world seem like when it's still kind of shrouded in all this mystery and there's all these questions and all these things we're discovering for the first time because there are a lot of people who'll be watching uh jody's run now and they will be experiencing these things for the first time they'll ex be experiencing the tardis and jody and the daleks and the cybermen and that must be like really exciting for all this stuff to just be discovered to just be discovering it yeah, I think you've got to be the right age as well. I feel like I was just perfectly the right age for this. I feel like six, seven. I feel a little bit is... older, I would have been like, oh, I'm not sure about this. A little bit younger, I wouldn't have been interested. But there was something about being about seven. Mm. Yeah, I would have been seven. Um, that I just fell in love with. Crazy. But last thing, when I was a kid, I watched it from the age of, I guess it was, I watched from New Earth to... Um, the first Matt Smith Christmas special, A Christmas Carol. So that was like just four or five years, really. Well, four years that I was actually yeah. watching the show as a kid. Like if I'd got on the boat later, you know, maybe it wouldn't have resonated. Yeah, perhaps. Um, what's to come next? The Runaway Bride. The yes. clip at the end with um, Catherine Tate doing the 10th the Doctor's Watts is great. Um, I'm not sure when this is going to come out yet, when we're going to do our Runaway Bride. Um, there might be a slight gap, I'm not 100% sure. Um, but I am so looking forward to diving into that, because that's just going to be set aside from the continuity of what we've seen in the last two seasons with Rose, starting fresh, just being its own story. I mean, there's something very special about those David Tennant, specifically his Doctor Who Christmas episodes. There's just something yeah. about them. So I'm really looking forward to getting into that when we eventually do it. It will be before next yeah. Christmas, I presume. Yeah, it's it's literally going to be within the next month of people listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think the ending of this... Like I said, I found the reunion of Jackie and Pete to be more emotional than the Doctor and Rose separating. Do you think that would have been different if it was still Chris, not David? I've... <sighs> That's tough because I love David. I feel like rewatching this series, my appreciation for David has been renewed a bit. But I, God, I really like Chris. And there are all these <laughs> stories where Chris, you know, some of these stories definitely wouldn't have worked. Like, um, Girl in the Fireplace would not have worked for the Ninth Doctor. 
Um, but a lot no. of these stories, Age of Steel and Rise of the Cybermen, Chris could have really worked in that and been really impactful in that. The same can be said for a lot of stories here. I don't know, I feel like I can imagine Chris in kind of some of the scenes in Doomsday and it really working. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah, maybe, I was going to say maybe one day, but nope. <laughs> maybe when hell freezes over. When hell freezes over. When hell freezes over. Um, I'm semi-conscious of time, so I'll just make this last point. That I watched in Confidential was that Russell said he was never tempted to kill Billy uh, to kill Rose off. He said Doctor Who is basically a show about optimism, so you can't just kill her off. Mm. And I think also it's you really get the vibe that from the just the way that she's written about and the way that she is written that Russell T Davis really loves Rose as a character. You can tell he has a real soft spot for her. Yeah. Yeah, and another thing um, which... Sorry, go on. This is just another point, kind of going back. I think it's pretty obvious. R- Russell prefers the Daleks over the Cybermen, doesn't he? Yeah, they never they don't come back until David Morrissey, so... And also the fact that he makes the Daleks so much more powerful than the Cybermen. He clearly has a favourite. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, quiz, let's do the last quiz of Series 2. Three questions as always. Question number one. When they are driving to the beach in Norway, what is the make of car that Pete Tyler is driving? Tim, I don't know cars. I've not watched Top Gear for It said, Rose says it. She says, we got in Dad's old... Oh, is it a Land Rover? <gasps> Jeep. Ah! Uh... How long does Jackie say she has been without Pete Tyler? Uh, was it 32 years? No, it isn't 32 years. Said... It's... <laughs> Why don't we have lot? No, because she died and Rose is alive. No, it was, it's been yes. 19 years. 19 years. 19 years. Yes, you're right. Yes. Okay. I don't know. I don't know where that came from. Um, the doctor says he likes a bit of shiver and shake, but when asked to pick which one he would be, which one does he pick? Shiver or shake? Shake. Ah, yes. You got two. Two out of three this week. Well done. I thought it was sugar and shake. No, it's shimmer and shake, I think. Oh, I misheard. Well, you got it right anyway, so I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. Doesn't matter uh, what the series question two's is. Been great. We'll right. do our Series 2 review some point. I, I don't think there's any episode we need to revisit this time like there was last time, do you think? No, there was none. Unless we want to do an apology for um, Fear Her by redoing Fear Her. But I feel like nah. we end up with a worse <laughs> episode if we try to redo Fear Her. <laughs> nah, we're not going to do that. Um, recommendations, let's recommend some stuff. Before I go, um, I just want to tell you you were fantastic. Have I had a chance to recommend years and years yet? No, not years and years. Uh, it's a sin. No, you haven't. But I imagine that if people are listening to this, they will have heard us talk about it. But you can recommend it. I, I, I feel like I have to. Just It's by Russell T. Davis. If that's not enough reason, it's just... It's funny. It's got lovable characters. It really, really can be gut-wrenching at points. It's just five episodes, each one a little under an hour long. Not much of a time sink. Me and my family, we binged it in two nights. It is great. Oh, are you, are you binging it? Me and my mum are watching one a week. We're watching it as it goes out oh, on telly. Oh, you're Best watching it as it goes out. Terrestrial TV, keeping oh. the dream alive. We downloaded the episodes onto our TV and watched it that way. Ooh, killing yeah, the industry, yeah. Harry. We're not killing it. Let's say they can still, <laughs> that still gives them viewing figures. They have a record of that. They're going to see, like... It's got, but it's got so much buzz, especially from young people, and like, oh, it's so good! It's so good! It's not just one of those things where lots of people are watching it because of lockdown. It's one of those things where, like, it deserves the viewership it's getting. It's, yeah, it's a great piece of television drama. 
and it's kind of further proof 100%. that Russell T. Davis is one of the best. Is it Davis or Davies? I feel like I've been saying it Russell wrong. Russell T. Davies. Uh, Davies. It doesn't have a second D. Oops. But yeah, it's just further evidence <laughs> that Russell T. Davies is one of, if not the best writer in British television working today, yeah. in my opinion. Oh, definitely. I definitely agree with you. I'm going to recommend... Uh, this might sound like a slightly strange thing. I'm not going to recommend a film or a TV show. I'm just going to recommend watching movies. For the last couple of nights... Some of you might know if you follow me on Twitter, I started up my own blog. And I'm posting stuff on there. So I've been watching like a film every day. Only an hour and a half movie. And then write a review about it. And I found like the act of just watching a movie at night. Like last thing before I go to bed. Just really good fun. Sitting in bed, getting comfy cup of tea watching an hour and a half movie no, nothing ever heavy like the first movie i watched was anna and the apocalypse you can read my review about that now um and last night i watched tag with jeremy renner and ed helms that was great fun um i think there, there's something to be said to just turning your phone off and just watching a film it's great yeah i think so i mean especially I, mean, I know it's kind of odd to say, like, watch this thing on a screen when so many things are vying for our screens, but really, like, sitting down and committing all of your kind of time and energy to one thing like that. I mean, it's kind of, it's the reason yeah. we go to, like, the theatre or the cinema, just to kind of shut yourself yeah. off from the world around you and just to absorb yourself in a world that someone else has created. Yeah, oh, I couldn't agree more, couldn't agree more. Um, so, yeah, that sort of brings us to the end of Bigger on the Inside Series 2. Uh, series 2 watch along that is for the playlist on YouTube you will still have the series 2 ranking to come and possibly I will also put Runaway Bride in series 2 as well so um, keep an eye out for them when they come out if you're listening to this on iTunes oh, I've got, got to read the stuff out haven't I um, I always forget to do this um, where's my notes um, it says here tell them to subscribe you can follow us on twitter at bigger on the inside pod instagram bigger on the pod youtube.com forward slash bigger on the inside acast shows.acast.com forward slash bigger on the inside on um, acast we've just reached over 1000 downloads so that's wow. great um, leave us a 5 star review on itunes and subscribe whatever platform you're on but the reviews do really help so would really appreciate that if you are listening to this on itunes so thank you very much for listening guys we will be back shortly hopefully you won't see too much of a delay I think, I'm not sure when this goes out, but I think it's around the 12th of April you will start to see more regular uploads from us so thanks very much, I'll say goodbye bye guys, Harry do you want to say goodbye? well, now's my last chance to say it Tim Saxby <laughs> <laughs>